Okay, no big deal, MLC The Big Show, being joined today by U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa. We had to be delayed about five minutes for this deal because he was having an interview with Fox News, and previous to that, he was on Newsmax because some big news happened yesterday with the old Hunter Biden scandal. So, the first few minutes of the interview is Megan Barons of Atlantic, Iowa, a 23-year-old graduate of Iowa State. So you young kids tune in. Megan is a campaign staffer for Chuck Grassley's re-election campaign. She's part of the communications team and we just visited for a few minutes as we waited for Mr. Grassley to get off from his Fox News appearance. Hi Matt, it's Megan. Good afternoon, Megan. How are you doing? Good, how are you? So where are you from? Uh, and I'm from, I'm from Atlantic. How old are you? I am 23, so I just graduated from Iowa State a year or so ago. Do you know Beth McDermott? Of Purple Bound Show Feeds of Atlantic? I do. And what was your uh, major at Iowa State? I studied agriculture communications. Cool. Did you show livestock growing up, or what's your background? Uh, yep. We Well, I, I grew up on a corn and bean farm, was active in 4-H and FFA, and showed sheep and cattle a few years and pigs a few years, so sort of a little bit of everything. How did you become a Chuck Grassley assistant press secretary for a United States senator? (laughs) Um, That's a great question. I just applied and they gave me the job. Um, I started out as a staff assistant where I answered the phones from constituents, then moved on to the press shop. So will you stay in this genre or you got other ideas as you grow old well um i'm here for now but eventually i want to get back into agriculture and hopefully do some ag policy ag communications that kind of thing have you ever heard of matt lautner cattle before when i was sent your name to connect with i i uh, recognized the name and then i looked you up of course and so so there's no chance that chuck grassley's gonna get beaten iowa by no democrat who are we kidding here right (laughs) well we sure hope not but can't count our eggs Ours. too too fast. Yeah, right. So, as far as politicians go, one of the best we got. He actually tries to represent the people. He goes to every county every year. He just yes, he does. Kind of, kind of is a normal thinker. He doesn't have to be totally on the right. He'll reach across the aisle. I'm not trying to act like I know more than I do because I don't. But uh, that's cool. He actually has a reputation for for being pretty bipartisan, if you will. Yes, he does. Um, I'm going to uh, try to conference his number in and connect it. Um, yes, ma'am. So hang tight before we before he comes. He's coming from a, a TV interview. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes, ma'am. Okay, perfect. So we have his phone on here now, too. So when he comes back, he'll be all set. Great. What other stories you got from your time in politics, young lady? Oh, there's lots of stories, but um, it's been busy. We're we're really busy this time of year and trying to get Good. some stuff done before uh, August recess and Senator Grassley will head back to the state for the state fair. And What uh, TV interview is he doing now? He actually had two. Um, I believe one was with Greta. So Greta Van Susteren, Fox News, and then MLC's The Big Show. Cool. But he came from, yeah, Fox News and then... Greta. After the big news about the DOJ and FBI letter that he sent yesterday, where's he headed after this show? Um, and then he'll be on an interview with Cindy Coleman um, in Dubuque. All right, Senator Grassley has just joined us. So Great. We'll go fast and quick because I know he's got to uh, do a hard out at 1.30. Senator Grassley, this is Matt Lautner from the MLC Big Show with Kevin Mears up at the control room along with Michelle Lautner. Thank you for joining us today. 
There was some breaking news last night, but I just want to get your thoughts on your letter to the FBI and Attorney General Garland. Could you give us an update on what's going on there? We just saw it posted last night. Yeah, Matt, I'm glad to be with you. Thank you for having me. We have been in touch. Well, first of all, let me make clear that I started an investigation on Hunter Biden uh, August 2019, and this is a little bit different from that ongoing investigation. This is a broader thing about whether or not there's political influence within the FBI of whether or not certain cases should go ahead or not go ahead, and even case investigations canceled. And we had information from whistleblowers maybe three or four months ago of some political interference and whistleblowers are willing to come forward and tell us all about it. It led to one person by the name of Tebow, uh, and Tebow was in a position as a partisan to close some cases or not close cases. And I'll give you an example that I'm using in a speech that I'll give this week where there was some, uh, some leads from a liberal newspaper about Trump that he decided to let go ahead, and then there was... Uh, but in that case, there really wasn't enough uh, information to go ahead, right? Not enough information even to go ahead, according to the regulations of the FBI. And yeah. uh, in, then in the case of uh, Hunter Biden, some leads, uh, he decided to shut it down when there was much more concrete evidence that it should have gone ahead. So I think it boils down to the fact that the public ought to have confidence in the FBI, that the FBI should leave political considerations out of whether to go ahead or not go ahead with an investigation. The public needs to have confidence in the FBI, and I think things like this uh, shake public's confidence in the FBI. All anybody wants is just a fair uh, justice system with no two tiers, not not one for the ruling class and then one for the rest of us young farmers here in central Iowa. But anyways, thank you for that update, and we'll look forward to hearing your speech as well as uh, any other news updates as time goes on. So the first part of this deal, I'd just like to ask you a series of questions, and we call it rapid fire. Just You don't have to be real extended in your answer. Just kind of get to know you a little bit for our audience. Uh, I know we got a lot of young kids, teenagers, 4-H kids tuning in, and just want everybody to get to know you a little bit. So, you are a national senator representing the state of Iowa. Uh, who you got? The Hawkeyes or the Cyclones, Senator? I'm a UNI Panther guy. You don't even, ah, I don't you even took, have to You took the way, easy way out. That's way good. Out. I like UNI. I took the way out where my loyalty was. Absolutely. Yep. I believe your hometown was just uh, 20 minutes west of Waterloo. Is that correct? Yeah. About, uh, my address is Cedar Falls. I'm eight miles west of Cedar Falls. I'm one mile from New Hartford, and I live within four miles of the farmhouse I was born in 88 years ago. So I haven't gotten very far away from home, and I sleep in my own bed at the farm probably 45 weekends a year, I would guess. You bet. You bet. Oh, the old uh, Hawkeyes and Cyclones fans are pretty... uh... There's a lot of uh, camaraderie there, whatever, but you're right. You took the, the, the correct route out because you are a UNI uh, graduate. Along those lines, uh, Iowa, we're a big corn and beading state, and uh, and we have lots, lots of hogs or cattle. Do you feel closer to one or the other? If you're a farmer and you're raising a bunch of corn or beans or hogs or cattle, which, which would be the preference of yours? Well, I'm a family farmer. Robin Grassley uh, operates our family farm. I try to help when I can. 
and uh, Pat Grassley's in the farming operation. We're corn and soybeans, and I crop share with Robin, so I pay 50% of the cost, uh, get 50% of the uh, uh, in uh, of the grain to sell. And uh, when I started farming, I was everything: corn, beans, legumes, cattle, uh, hogs, uh, even sheep sometimes. But now we're just corn and soybean farmers, and I think I like corn better than soybeans. You bet. Yep. Me and you were to sit down for a steak in Des Moines, Iowa, at one of the best steakhouses in the city. Uh, do you prefer a ribeye or a fillet, and how do you have your steak cooked? Well, if I sat down at a at one of those uh, steakhouses, I'd order an Iowa chop. There you go. Cool. I mean, I guess I read a little bit about you ahead of this interview, and you were attending school in the mid '50s. Uh, did you always feel like you were drawn towards politics, or what gave you your start back at the beginning? My mom and dad were small farmers. They were never active politically except for voting. Uh, we were always talking about government, politics, not meaning Republican or Democrat politics, and a lot of history. And I grew up when I was very young, uh, interested in government, and uh, that's what I pursued at the University of Northern Iowa as a major. And if I wasn't elected to... Uh, public office, I'd probably be a professor at some university of political science. And then uh, you uh, read you were at a part of the AGR house at UNI. Did you personally grow up showing livestock at all, uh, 4-H or any of that? Well, there is not an AGR at UNI. There is one at Iowa State, and I'm a member of the one at Iowa State, even though I didn't attend Iowa State. And uh, wow. But I was kind of an honorary member and have been for the last 30 years. I think it was the mid-80s that I was initiated into it. And no, I didn't show livestock, although I had uh, brothers and sisters that showed livestock, but I did not. You did not show livestock growing up, but I, I'm aware uh, you did partake in the Governor's Charity Steer Show. I don't know if it's every year, but I know at least a dozen times you've shown a steer. Do you have uh, a favorite steer through the years or a favorite family that you worked with at uh, the Iowa State Fair Governor Charity Steer Show? And I think it would be the Putney family, although I didn't show a Putney steer, but I did... I did have him pick it, and also the pellets from Atlantic were also very helpful to me, and twice I won the grand champion. So always a huge crowd, and I encourage everyone that's listening to make time to attend that show. It's the first Saturday in, at, uh, at the Iowa State Fair. So uh, just a little bit of personal political questions here. Who is your favorite president of all time? Uh, Reagan for the office of president uh, because he seemed to concentrate on four or five key things. He wasn't all over the ballpark. I think he was the best president. He wasn't the one that was most favorite to, to me. I think I'd pick George W. Bush. And then uh, do you have a favorite Iowa governor off the top of your head? Oh, there's too many, too many good ones for, for me to pick a favorite. I know you're a fan of our current governor, Kim Reynolds. It may yep. be too early to say that she would be the favorite, but she is my favorite right now. But I served with a lot of good Iowa governors. Looking towards 2024, do you feel like in your historical sense, do you think that Trump or DeSantis or Ted Cruz would be the odds-on favorite as we speak here in summer 2022? For the Republican nomination coming up. Well, I think I'd have to extend it beyond that, but I would say... Okay. Trump, if he's willing to look to the future and forget about the past. Uh, I would say uh, several people, uh, I know that DeSantis is, seems to be the most popular right now, 
but I serve with a lot of colleagues that I think would be good presidents, but we in Iowa don't pick Trump or any of these others because, first of all, anybody that wants to be president in 2024 and get the Republican nomination has to be willing to compete, and that means everybody will have to compete. And so we Republican leaders like me and Ernst and the governor, I can't speak for the other two, but at least for me, and this has been my practice except when Dole uh, ran, that I uh, did not, uh, I did not, I wanted everybody to come to the state and campaign, and for that reason, I didn't back anybody except in the case of Dole very early, and except in the case of George W. Bush one month before the caucus. You bet. That makes sense. And, uh, yeah, I was in a unique position, uh, being the first place that uh, everybody comes to each election cycle. Uh, along those lines, did you ever have presidential aspirations? And if so, uh, which presidential cycle? Uh, no, I never did have, and I learned that by following Bob Dole around. Uh, he could be a good candidate and a good senator at the same time, and I would have had to pick or choose, and I wouldn't want to be given up a senator to run for something that I sure. uh, didn't know that I'd get. So I uh, I decided, I'd, based on my relationship with Dole and traveling with Dole and how hard he had to work, that I wouldn't run for president. Now, I worked very hard and long hours as a senator, both in Iowa and here in, in Washington, D.C., but uh, I wouldn't run for president because my heart is with Iowa. We appreciate that. You've done an awesome job for us. You famously visit uh, all 99 counties every year. Every year for 42 years, and this year I've been in 78. And I and yeah. I don't just go uh, through and smell the roses. I have a Q&A with every group <laughs> of citizens. Sometimes it's an open town meeting. might be a factory floor. It might be a hospital. It might be a rotary club. Uh, it might yeah. be a Farm Bureau County meeting, things like that. But I, I don't set the agenda. My constituents set the agenda. They can ask any question they want, and I always notify them ahead of time that there isn't such a thing as an inappropriate question so that they can ask me anything they want to. And the Big Show podcast will vouch for that because that's what your office told us. They said there were no restrictions what questions we can ask. A little bit different subject, but the best and the worst thing about being a United States senator, just briefly. Well, the best thing is to get a bill signed by the President of the United States, particularly if it's a very important bill, like my false claims bill that brought has brought back $70 billion of fraudulently taking money back into the federal treasury, or my wind energy tax uh, incentive bill, so that 84% uh, of the energy at Mid-America comes from uh, win now, or it could be Part D of uh, Medicare, uh, which is a prescription drug part of it, which has only been uh, part of Medicare since 2003 when I was chairman of the committee, uh, things like that. That's always uh, the best, but I think uh, I get more fun out of my oversight work, like you and I started out by talking about the FBI. For instance, sure. when I expose when I expose to, uh, to uh, Ray that Tebow was playing politics with these investigations. Uh, he moved, uh, Ray moved uh, uh, Tebow to another assignment uh, in the uh, uh, FBI so he couldn't open and close cases. Good. We thank you for that. A question about the Supreme Court and some of the, the left or the Democrats say that they want to pack the court. What are the chances, you think, the number of uh, 
Supreme Court justices would ever increase. Uh, Ginsburg said, now she passed away, but she said that when yep. asked the same question, nine was the right number. And uh, Breyer, just leaving the Supreme Court, gave a speech a couple years ago that said if you wanted to pack the Supreme Court, you'd make the Supreme Court a political body and it would lose its credibility. So I think that speaks better than anything. I'm not for packing the Supreme Court. A simple law could set the number of the Supreme Court higher than it is now, but I don't think it gets 60 votes in the United States Senate. And even though you hear this most from uh, Democrats more than you do Republicans, I don't even think probably a ma majority of the Democrats would be for it, but not every one. So it's a pretty bipartisan opposition uh, to doing that. Uh, just talking about lobbyists in Washington, D.C., how much power do they wield? Or try to explain their influence to a, a farm farming community podcast like this. Well, first of all, lobbying or anything else you want to call it, representation, uh, looking out for people's interests, all that, it's constitutionally protected under the First yep. Amendment, several provisions, freedom of speech, the right to petition your government for redread redress of grievances, freedom of association. Those are all First Amendment rights, so it is protected. Uh, on the other hand, uh, a lot of people, like Farm Bureau members, paid dues that are paid for uh, higher lobbyists, but if that Farm Bureau lobbyist is worth his salt, uh, he wouldn't be contacting Chuck Grassley. He would say to the members in Iowa, uh, you need to tell Senator Grassley uh, how to vote or your opinion on this subject or that subject. I always say a, a lobbyist worth their salt is not uh, uh, spend a lot of time with me. They're getting Iowans to contact me because Iowans themselves are the most powerful influence with me. Yeah. And that's the way that it should be. That's good. Yeah, moving on, uh, many in the farming community have seen the massive protests over vaccines in Canada from farmers blockading roads this winter. And more recently in the Netherlands, uh, farmers protesting green policies that are going to make it impossible for farmers to make a living wage in Europe. There are rumors that Biden is going to declare a, a climate emergency in the USA, pushing us towards green policies, if you will. Uh, can you envision a time when Iowa farmers are going to have to drive their tractors to the interstate to shut down roads to affect change here in the, in the USA? Well, I do remember in the winter of, I think, 1979, when there was a farm crisis. Tractors came to Washington, D.C. and shut down Washington, D.C. So it could happen again. Until people realize that only 2% of the people in this country produce food for the other 98% and have an appreciation for that. And that lack of appreciation might uh, bring uh, misunderstanding so farmers would have to do that again. But as long as we 2% tell our story and the 2% are represented by people like Chuck Grassley and Senator Tester, of, a Democrat from Montana, uh, and we, we do our job. It shouldn't happen, but it could happen. Now, another part, uh, it's pretty darn important that farming and food production be understood because people in New York City may not know that food grows on farms. They may think it grows in supermarkets. So we got to make clear the role of farmers and how important it is. And we also got to make very clear that what can happen when you don't have enough food. You're nine meals away from a revolution. If you can't feed your kids for three days, you might do almost anything. Boom. That's a good quote. 
That's one that I'm going to take away from this podcast. Now, I know you're just talking hypothetically, but tell me more about this, Senator. Including stealing food, uh, whatever you might want to do, join in demonstrations against the fact that there's not a food supply. Just like people are complaining now, uh, and rightly so, about the milk formula for uh, newborn babies. And by the way, you asked a question about vaccines. I have voted five, six, seven times against the mandate for vaccines. I, uh, I think very much, in a lot of cases, religious freedom ought to protect people from not being vaccinated. Bottom line, being vaccinated is a personal choice between me and my wife and my kids. It's nobody else's business, especially the government's, in my humble opinion. Moving on here to the next question I had for you. According to Wikipedia, and much like uh, one source that I had earlier was incorrect about you and I having an AGR house, uh, this may be incorrect. But according to Wikipedia, you have a net worth of $7.5 million. Um, and now, comparing that to Nancy Pelosi, that's worked a career similar in length to yours. She has a net worth of over $120 million. Can you explain how that's possible? You seem to be more down-to-earth, real values. How is that possible that she has that much more accumulated worth over her career than yours? Well, I have no way whatsoever of knowing how anybody sure. accumulated their money uh, sure. and what it is. And uh, you can call me old-fashioned, but I'm a farmer and, uh, uh, and a senator for Iowa, and that's uh, except for farming with my son, uh, that's uh, the exact of it. And I, uh, my life started out, uh, you know, as a farmhand when I was in high school, helping other farmers make hay. Then when I went to college, I worked from August of 1951 to February of 1957 at the Rath Packing Company in Cedar Falls, Iowa, from 3 till 11.30 at night, five days a week, to pay my way through UNI. And, uh, and I got a BA and a master's degree in that period of time. And then after I was elected to the legislature, my dad died. I took over the 80-acre farm because my brother did not want to do it or the girls didn't want to do it, and Mom wanted to keep farming. So I did that. You couldn't make a living on 80 acres at that time. So when the legislature wasn't in session, I had a job that I could take uh, leave of absence when the legislature was in session, so I spent from 1961 to 1971 putting screw holes in the furnace registers at Waterloo Register Company in Cedar Falls to supplement my income, and there was even a couple times, uh, the spring of 1962 and the school year of 67 to 68, that I taught college courses to supplement even my farm income, my uh, uh, factory income, uh, my uh, legislative income, but you got to remember during those 1960s, the legislature only met every other year, so we got $3,000 every other year. So you weren't expected to make a living on legislative salary, and you couldn't make a living on 80 acres, so that's why I worked at a factory. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you made it the good old-fashioned way. It's the American dream. You worked your way up. And, and this is my opinion, not yours, Mr. Grassley. I think you made your money the right way. I think Nancy Pelosi has worked the stock market and made her money the wrong way. That's just my opinion. Just uh, one more question or two before I know you got to go hard out at 1.30. Um, 
in your years on the Hill, what's the most historic or anything else that you've seen? I mean, I guess it would be related to January 6th. Uh, it was a, it's a dark day in American history. I, nobody likes to see it, but uh, as I look at it, comparing January 6th to Pearl Harbor in 1941, uh, JFK's assassination in 1963, and quote-unquote insurrection, and then December 11th, 2001, those four events, there's one that doesn't really have the magnitude to a, a farmer from Iowa. Uh, could you compare those events? And I'm, I'm not trying to downplay January 6th, but I'm also trying to be real that I just don't think it, it needs to be compared to Pearl Harbor 9-11 or November 20th. Well, what happened on January 6th should not have happened. You, people ought to have known that you can't break windows to get into the U.S. Capitol. Pretty simple, but it happened. But uh, people that would compare it to Pearl Harbor uh, would uh, just don't know anything about history. I'd say, for me, since I've been in Congress, the most memorable thing would be what happened on 9-11. Yep. That's an amazing day. I mean, uh, the Pentagon is located just three or four miles, aeronautical miles, from uh, the national capital. And uh, who knows where that last plane was headed for uh, that day back in 2001. So, Senator, I appreciate your time. Uh, what can we look forward to this summer and fall as far as your Iowa appearances? And uh, will you be showing a steer at the Governor's Charity Steer Show at the Iowa State Fair this summer? I haven't showed for the last five years because I got tired of steers stepping on my toes. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> but I'll be at the fair one full day, yeah. probably two part-time days so i love the state fair i will be finishing my 21 counties i have to do i'll be going to a few dairy queens i will uh, uh, be doing some campaigning i will uh, celebrate our 68th wedding anniversary august 22 i'll be celebrating my 88th birthday uh september 17th i'm going to uh Go to the Iowa Iowa State game, and I thank you very much, Matt, for having me on. Absolutely, sir. Can't wait to uh, vote for you in November. I know. Well, I hope you'll tell your audience to vote for me as well as uh, you telling me you are going to vote for me. Ninety-nine point nine percent of my audience is going to do the same from the state of Iowa, and uh, yeah, look forward to all the great things you're going to do for us in the next six years after you get reelected. I guarantee you we're all rooting for you. Can't wait to get Trump or DeSantis in there in 2024 for sure. <laughs> I appreciate your time. Thanks, and have a great day. Bye. Well, there you go. MLC Big Show podcast with U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley. Y'all get out there and vote for him. That's a good man right there. Kevin Mears and Michelle Lautner up in the control room. You're giving me the thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Good job. Thank you. I appreciate you guys liking that show. So, okay. Burt Colby, 304-216-2214. MLC, the big show, national sales manager. Give her a buzz if you want to be on the big show this fall to promote your fall sales and events. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've gotten a lot of feedback on the new website, mlcbigshow.com done a lot of uh, podcasting over the summer but we are looking forward to get back into that grind selling some awesome calves and, and here on the big show podcast following some awesome sales throughout the fall burke's got kyle conley and also kate shorthorns from indiana signed up for a podcast pre-sale podcast 
It's going to be a lot of fun this fall. Can't wait to see how it goes. MLC out. We couldn't have had a politician on here that is a little bit advanced in age without having some Joe Biden gaffes on the end of the show as the uh, outtake. So here you go. Just compare how awesome Chuck Grassley sounds uh, in his 80s compared to how Joe Biden sounds. Come on. A, 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 a vaccine, the vaccine can stop the spread of these diseases. <laughs> if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. <laughs> and to get hot, I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn uh, uh, um, blonde in the sun. <laughs> we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by, go, you know the, you know the thing. <laughs> so you go ahead and you stack spaghetti sauce at a store and in, in, in a supermarket. You control the guy or the woman who runs the, run, run brings out the carts on, 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 on a forklift. What happened? <laughs> you cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over fact. <laughs> what a stupid son of a bitch. We need to work again with Canada and Mexico as neighbors, not as adversaries. As adversaries. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I, I looked at it anyway. I, that's what I think my plan. I know what my plan does. <laughs> Two hundred million people have died, probably by the time I finish this talk. <laughs> that's why I made it a priority in my entire career to work closely with you, from the time I got to the Senate 180 years ago. You know, <laughs> unnecessarily, now we have over 120 million dead from COVID. <laughs> hey, everyone. I'm Joe Biden's husband. 